Yo, this is Stocks and Bars, the stock market hip-hop podcast, the only place you will find finance mixed with hip-hop. And today's special guest is the financial advisor that you must know. Family, we are going to talk about how he managed millions for families, and we're going to talk about the stock market and how simple it is. Let's go. I got my click ready to use the money they got From jobs and courage and teaching them that it's not so hard I'm doing this, making investing pop P-Law is extra, you tuning in to Stocks and Bars Alright, Stocks and Bars, what's going on? So, you know how we get down Anytime I have a guest, we have to do a special introduction To let them know how much they are appreciated So, family, check this out Once again, FinCon has established another relationship so when i first got there i did my little walk around i'm checking out everything and these are one of the people that i bumped into when i first got down there so i think it was actually your brother first that i I met when i think about it in retrospect but anyway when i was there they had a booth and they were doing an etf at the time if i remember correctly and they were talking about how that etf helps people and everything that they had to offer so uh brett right it was brett correct yes okay so it was brett that i believe i met first and it was taylor that i met additionally so fast forward to now i ended up following taylor on instagram i had both of their cards i looked at everything that they had and i saw on instagram that his following was similar to mine so i follow him yo the guy has great information family when i tell you that this guy is straight to the point and that he's very easy to understand when it comes to the market that's an understatement it's very very simple when he explains it so i want to welcome to the podcast taylor Soames. yo thank you for coming on the show i appreciate you spending time with me man so how have you been Oh my gosh, brother. What an intro. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I need to bring you around. You can just intro me everywhere I go. <laughs> I show up to basketball on Wednesday nights to play with my adult league and you can come in and be like, hey, you guys got to realize who this is. <laughs> this is the goal, man. I want everybody to know that they are loved and appreciated and it doesn't take much to show that. So like I said, man, I appreciate every single moment that you are spending with me and anytime you're on the show, man, this is what I do. But yeah, it's good to see you. It's good to hear that you're well, man. Um, Last time that we talked, you were on vacation. So how'd the vacation go? Vacation was good, man. We went to uh, Destin, Florida, which I had never even heard of, admittedly. Uh, My sister and brother-in-law booked it and they were like, hey, you guys want to come? So I said, absolutely. And it's... uh, it's they, they refer to it as the Redneck Riviera, which is amazing because I'm kind of a redneck at heart myself. I grew up in a little one red light town. So uh, but now it's on the Florida Panhandle. So right above it to the north is Alabama. So you get that kind of like redneck influence mm. coming down from Alabama. And it was amazing. Everyone was laid back, having beers, hanging out, just super nice people. Yeah, it's good to see, man. You had a great time. Listen, relaxation is something that we have to do. Recharge ourselves <laughs> so we no can get doubt. back to what no we got to do. So I want to start things off with a quick introduction on you and yourself, how you establish yourself, how you got to where you're at. So give everybody a real quick introduction on who you are, what you've done, and how you got to where you're at. Yeah, perfect. So I always start this out because I think it's fundamental to what we're doing that I literally grew up in a one red light town. 
So uh, there was one stoplight in the middle of town. And, you know, with that in mind, you probably can imagine there wasn't a ton of wealth in the area. And right. so I went from there and I went to school, college, just outside of Manhattan at Iona University. So I did an undergrad and a grad degree there in finance. So that was kind of my introduction to the city life, if you will. And so from there, I got a job on Wall Street at a firm called Leg Mason. Okay. And so I ran around Wall Street for 11 years, I guess it was. And my role there was what they referred to as an advisor consultant. So I would travel around the country and work with financial advisors. They would bring me in as the specialist to sit down with their families that might have 10, 15, up to $100 million. Oh, okay. Like one family, like real, real, real money. And so I was the guy they would bring in and say, hey, here's what the portfolio currently looks like. What do we need to do to make this a more sound portfolio if we're to go into a recession or an inflationary environment, whatever it is? So I would try to poke little holes in their product set and say, hey, you might want to consider adding this. And so I did that for 11 years and it was amazing. I got to see a lot of the country, a lot of things I would have never seen and got to experience some things with these rich families that, you know, growing up in a wet red light town, <laughs> I can never, never even it. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and so from there though, my brother and I, my brother served the same role for 15 years. His name's Brett, as you mentioned before. We looked at ourselves and we said like, man, we get the, these people with hundred million dollars, they're, they're going to be all right. They're going to be all right regardless of whether we're giving them advice or not. What about my buddy who's got $1,000 to invest right. or $500 or $500,000 and maybe isn't getting the attention of some of these financial advisors out there? Like, what are we doing for them? Because they're the people that really need the fundamental understanding right. of building out a portfolio and investing for the future and growing that wealth. And so we said, you know what? All these portfolios that we've built for these people, really, there's very minor changes between them. They all look really similar. So why don't we just take everything that we did there, package it inside of one ETF, which is an investment vehicle like a mutual fund, but the newer version, put it on the New York Stock Exchange and have everybody that has a Robinhood account, a TD Ameritrade account, a Schwab account, anyone that has a brokerage account can now invest in the same stuff those ultra wealthy folks do at $10 a share. And so that was what we did. And we launched Life Goal Investments. And we've been running this now for... We launched the ETFs on the New York Stock Exchange in September of 2021. So what is that? 18 months ago, a little more than that. Yeah. Hey, man, that's an awesome experience because I have a similar upbringing, right? Except for I had more than one stoplight. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Well, that's I, fine. Started, that's cool. I started in finance because really my mom was really my introduction to it. I watched her from afar being able to calculate things and budget and all of that. So... I kind of inherently took on that role when I became my own individual. So when I got my own spot and had the budget, everything, that's when I became the financial guru that I am. I can't say that I am right now, but the beginning, yes, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> the inception, yeah. the inception of who I am now. And I watched her and then that gave me the, the motivation to grow more. So once I started seeing more people like myself going through those same motions of having that struggle, then I said, why can't I be that change? You know, I, I can't say I got it all the way together, but I at least saw the path to where it needs to go. So I wanted to make sure that I had my opportunity to go and teach other people exactly what I was learning. So they had that opportunity. And that's how I got to where I'm at. So that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. And, and I will say this on the social media front. So, so we have the products that are on the New York Stock Exchange on the social media front. 
we do what you kind of described before, where that's my role, not Brett's. And what I do is, is try to break kind of economic concepts, financial concepts, investing concepts down into pieces that anybody can understand. And, right. and I guess this jogged my memory from you. You're talking about your mother. My mother was a statistics professor. Okay. And that is like a foreign language to a lot of people. <laughs> so the ability to take a concept that is extremely complex and bring it into a language that anybody can create and make tangible, that's a skill set that I took from her. And I do pride myself on the ability to do that. And that's what I'm trying to do on social media. And the most heartwarming comments that we get are, hey, man, I never understood this until you broke it down this right. way. Like we just did something on the regional banks. Regional banks are you know, imploding right now, or, you know, that's, that's a little bit hyperbole, but regional banks are in some serious issues right now. And we broke down exactly how a regional bank makes money and people came away from it and they're like, Oh, I now understand why they're struggling the way they are. And so, that's, that's super heartwarming. That's what we want to see. And yeah, kudos to you, because like I said, when the introduction, you do a very good job at being able to explain it in, in, in simple terms. And when I follow you, I actually try to take tips on how can I do that? Because <laughs> this is one of the things that I also do as well as I try to help people learn it in the simplest terms possible. And what I fall victim to is because I have so much knowledge, I actually accidentally over explain something. And then I said, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I like to do a better job. It's saying, slow down, process what you're thinking before you say it, because it can confuse yep. somebody. <laughs> yep. yep. You know what's funny? So the funny thing for me was um, I before, so our social media didn't pick up until this year. So I was doing videos throughout all of last year. And admittedly, they, they weren't getting taken to, if you will. Right, they weren't right. spreading and, and social media growth wasn't there. We went from, I think we had less than 30,000 followers on Instagram and TikTok at the beginning of this year, which now it's May 8th. Now we have almost 270,000 between Ooh. the two of them. So like the, the slope was super steep. And the only thing I did differently, this is funny. The only thing I did differently was I before would sit in front of this backdrop, which is a step and repeat, look super professional. And I would almost be extremely scripted, everything super to the point and perfect. And then one day I got frustrated. And this is the God's honest truth. I got frustrated and I said, you know what? This isn't working. And more out of frustration than thinking this was going to work, <laughs> I took my phone and I was like, let me just go walk around. I'll talk to my phone. I'm just frustrated doing it the way I was. And that video kind of exploded. And mm. it got like 50,000 views or something like that, which was the biggest we had gotten at that point. And I was like, man, maybe there's something to this. Like maybe it's just more often, you know, the authenticity is there or whatever it is. Um, but again, the, the market just said, hey, this works. That didn't. So I just kept doing it. And now if we don't get 50,000 views on a, on a video, I'm disappointed. And some of them got <laughs> over a couple million views. So um, nah, and, and, and we've just been super gracious. Like, you know, we're extremely grateful that uh, that people have found what we're doing is helpful. And, and kudos back to you, man. Like to your point, you, you've got so much knowledge in there and it comes out and you're like, man, this is just amazing. I now have a better level of grasp and concept on some right. of these things that I just didn't understand before. Yeah, it, it excites me. Like I still genuinely have the same excitement that I had when I first started learning this. Now, yeah. And it, it's yeah. And when I have the opportunity, and someone's like, "Hey, I don't understand," and I'm like, "Yes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I get to show somebody." And then it's like, "Wait a minute, they don't know everything yet. You need to right. chill out. <laughs> don't let your excitement scare them." 
when that light bulb, like, you know, it's, it's online. So, you know, the light bulb, you literally can't sit across from someone and see it in their eyes, but the comments are like, Oh, you did cause a light bulb to go off there. And something is now understood that wasn't before, which is incredibly empowering. Right. So I want to jump into another topic here. One that I seen you do and you did extremely well. When the topic of bricks came up, a lot of people had a lot of confusion about what the heck is going on with that. So I did a little bit of digging myself. And while I could understand it again, I did not have what it takes to explain it in the simplest terms possible. So I want you to do that same thing you did before, <laughs> which is I'll do let my people best. know what the heck is bricks and how does that affect me? Yep. Yeah. So one of the things that's playing out right now is there's a huge debate as to whether the U.S. dollar will remain as the U.S. or I'm sorry, as the world reserve currency. World reserve currency just means that when international trade takes place, the dollar is always on one side of it. So if you're Chinese, you're buying something in the yuan, but the dollar's on the back end of it. So anyway, what happened was this is an ongoing thing that Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia being the biggest oil exporter in the world, has said, hey, we're thinking about taking on the Chinese yuan for payment of oil. Now, right now, 100% of oil is traded in US dollars. And so this is a big blow. People are saying, hey, if you if Saudi Arabia takes the yuan and alongside with the dollar, it's not now exclusively the dollar and the dollar's world reserve currency, the most powerful currency in the world is going to go away and become yuan. Mm. So that's that's the background context as to what's going on here. Now, what you have to realize is that being traded oil being traded in U.S. dollars is not the fundamental basis as to why the dollar is the U.S. world or I'm sorry is the world reserve currency. It goes back much further than that. So back in 1944, after World War II, the world came together and said we need to repair Europe at the Bretton Woods Conference, okay. and they said with that we can only use one currency because it has to be a common currency being paid back and forth, and the most sound economy in the world is the US. So we'll use the US dollar. And so that was the catalyst for the world reserve currency. Okay. Now, fast forward, oil didn't get started to be traded in US dollars until 1973. So even if it comes off of that petrodollar, that oil is bought with US dollar status, that's not what caused it to begin with. So that was the whole thing that started to call into question, hey, is the US dollar the world reserve currency? What if Saudi Arabia begins to allow the Chinese to buy oil in the yuan? And then it went one step further to your point of the BRICS. And so the BRICS are Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. There's this crazy story out there that these five countries in five separate corners of the globe are going to come together and create one centralized currency, like the euro in Europe. Now, you think about the euro, the euro and the European countries struggle to make decisions on their own. And they're countries that are a quarter of the size and right on top of each other. (laughs) We're now talking about Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, and all of these very radicalized leaders making decisions from corners of the globe on one centralized currency. And they say, yeah, but they're going to do this and they're going to back it with gold. So it'll actually be backed by gold like the U.S. dollar was years and years ago. Mm. And the funny thing about this is the US Federal Reserve owns more gold than all five of those BRICS countries combined. 
So they're going to then back their currency, one centralized currency, which is a crazy thought to begin with, with a commodity being gold that they don't dominate the market in. And the U.S. isn't going to be able to <laughs> manipulate that currency with us having more gold than all of them put together. So in general, the reason the U.S. and the dollar is the world reserve currency is because the soundness of our economy, the power of our military, and all of those things. And it's all relative. Everyone says our economy is not sound, this and that. Well, it's more sound than Russia. Right, it's more right. sound than China. It's more than all of these different nations. Um, and they, yeah, it, it's just a, a crazy thought in general. <laughs> See, Sorry, you got no. me. You got me fired up because this is one that's frustrating. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Hey, doom and gloom for the dollar. It's going away. It's going to hell in a handbasket. U.S. government's crumbling. It's all. It's just nonsense." No, I'm listen. I get the same thing happening every single day where someone has to say something. You like, you zip your lips yep. a little bit. <laughs> like, mm, I'm gonna leave that alone. I'm gonna leave that alone. And I've gotten better at that too. I've learned sure. to leave burning fires burn on their own. <laughs> yep, yep. I hear you there, brother. It's uh, yeah. It, it was one of those scabs that just kept coming, and then eventually I picked it because I was like, "There's so much going on. I think there's really fear and concern that the U.S. Yeah. dollar is going to lose its power in general, and if it does, that would affect our economy massively." Right, right. Um, but but that's just that's just not the reality of things in in the world that we live in right now. So you jumped into the next topic that I actually want to talk about with the whole gold being backed by the dollar. And my research of everything, I come to understand that debt is bas basically what backs the dollar currently. It's the idea that I owe you so you'll never go broke. <laughs> so yep. when yep. we broke away from the gold standard and got to where we're at now, do you think that is part of the reason why we have the larger swing, should I say, when it comes to the dollar for the currency? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Yeah, I think so. So one thing that I would make mention of gold on the onset is gold is not an asset that has a real value outside of jewelry, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. So gold is a soft metal. It's not a tangible metal that gets used in building in an industry, etc. So the fact that so much value is driven to this thing that doesn't really have a use is is kind of a crazy thought to begin right. with. But I think more recently, what's affected the movements in the dollar more than anything else is the Federal Reserve. As the Federal Reserve tightens, it has a force and effect on the dollar in general. And so that's what's had the big pressure on the dollar as we've seen. And so you've seen a run up in the dollar throughout 2022, the dollar strengthened. And now as we look like we're coming off of that rate hike environment, it looks like the dollar is selling back off some, which is a natural movement for right. the dollar. Right. Okay. Yeah, gold is a weird thing. I think the only reason why it still exists, and this is me personally, is because historically it just had a history. So that's the right. only reason why we continue to go back to it. Because like you said, what used to we really have for it? I mean, it's jewelry and then there's electricity, right? Electronics. Other than that, what do we got it for? <laughs> yeah, 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 you're exactly right. We have prescribed this value, but the value behind it, really, if we had to use something, at the end of the day, if there was no money, there was no anything, 
gold wouldn't be what you want to be left with. No. Like I would much rather have copper All than right. gold. <laughs> copper is used in wiring. Copper is used in building materials, all of these things. And so what's interesting right now, and, and one of the things that people watch, and I'm, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole a little bit here, but one of the things that people watch for an economic barometer to say, hey, where's our economy going right now is the relationship or the ratio as they call it, the copper to gold ratio. Hmm. So as gold appreciates, which it has, it's almost trading at an all-time high right now, that is a sign of fear in the market, a sign of a slowing economy. So that's why gold appreciates because people are saying, hey, we might go into recession and I want a safe harbor asset, which gold is. Whereas copper right now is going the other way. It's diverting and selling off. And copper is the tangible metal that gets utilized in building materials, right. to your point, in wiring and some electronics, et cetera. And as the economy slows, copper sells off. So right now, gold is telling us we could be in for some rough economic times, as is copper. And the copper to gold ratio is broadening. And that's a negative economic indicator. Mm. I've never heard of this before, so thank you. Copper to gold ratio. There you go. Put it in the piggy bank. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing about gold, if all this popped off, right? You know, we got into whatever happens with the dollar. It just everything goes down. Gold skyrockets. So now what the heck are you going to do with it, okay? I need to eat. <laughs> so I don't care about gold. I need food. I need actual seeds. I need something to grow. I need land. So I always think about things. Okay. Who owns the most land? That's where I want to be able to be at. Who is that person? I need that person on my team now. Yep. <laughs> Forget yep. all that gold. You can have that. My family needs Correct. this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and historically, um, another asset class that generally holds up relatively well. It does sell off in a recession, but it doesn't sell off as, as nearly as much as stocks historically is real, real estate. estate. Yes. And so that's kind of what you're speaking to there is right. like, hey, I want a tangible thing I can grab and hold on to, whether it be a building, whether it be land, whether it be farmland, whatever it is, that's generally been a pretty good safe harbor of capital in a rough economic time as well. Yes. And one of the things that I tell people a lot when I have conversations is right now I'm looking at REITs. Just for that yep. reason, because I get a dividend, I don't have to worry about things, and I'm hedging as much as I possibly can. If there is a recession that is coming around the corner, like I think, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so REITs have have come under under a little scrutiny recently, and that's more a function of kind of this whole regional bank issue yes. is playing out and bleeding over into the REIT environment a little bit. REITs are are a very diversified pool of assets, so you can have REITs that are office space which are obviously under pressure as yes. people are working from home and don't need to occupy as much office space as they had in the past. But then there's other REITs on the other side that are like cell towers, where I got to imagine if we get a nasty recession where people really can't afford their cell phone bills, then that might affect that. But unless it's not there, I think people are going to give up a lot of things before they give up their phone, you know, right. the cell phone that's sitting <laughs> in my hand right now. right? And that's actually one of the points that Warren Buffett made over the weekend out in Omaha. He was talking about, hey, if you have two cars as a family, and he's, he was advocating for Apple and, and the huge market share that Apple has for iPhones, and he said, if you have to give up one thing, are you giving up your second car or are you giving up your iPhone? And he said, you're giving up your second car. Don't lie to me. And he said, that's the reason why Apple has such a, you know, a great business model because they're so entrenched in our day-to-day -day lives. 
Um, and now some people might argue on the other side that Apple's a premium product and people can trade down to Samsung, whatever it may be. But his point was 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 solid. Right. Yeah, I agree. People are not going to give up their phone. This has become the greatest tool in the world. I've said this multiple times. This right here yep. has changed the game. The yep. information yep. that we did not have access to before is at our fingertips. We don't use it the way we should. But other than that, I, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I get a, I get that weekly report. Uh, I, I get a weekly report to my phone as to how much time I spent on my phone. And I will not admit on here how much time it is because it is absolutely <laughs> absurd. And I know I'm above the average because social media is a lot of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but it is, it is scary. When I say scary, it's scary. How much do you use your cell phone on a regular basis? I'd be interested. Make sure you tag the show Stocks and Bars. Check out part two of this conversation, and I'll see you next week. Peace. I got my click ready to use the money they got from jobs and courage and teaching them that it's not so hard. I'm doing this, making investing pop. Pilar, it's extra. You tuning in to Stocks and Bars. Stocks and Bars. Stocks and Bars. Stocks and Bars. Stocks and Bars.